Good morning, Greater All. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, real quick, before we get started, if you notice there's something going on up front here. There's some young gentlemen standing here, and they're beginning to pass this huge twine of red string. And uh, what we are going to do is we're going to string that all through the auditorium. I want everybody that's sitting down to be able to get a hand on that. They have been instructed to try to leave some extra slack on the ends. I thought about having them not do that so nobody could get up to go to the bathroom, but... And in case you're wondering what it's all about, I could tell you, but I really want to string you along. Yeah, I was waiting for that one. Don't forget to tip your waitress. Okay. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we will get to that a little bit later, what that's all about. Just be careful with it. In case there is an emergency, I do have ushers equipped with scissors. Okay, so we got that going for us. We are safety-minded here at Greater Albany. Okay, we have been talking about the resurrection effect. It's been a few years ago now that I noticed that the Bible talked a whole lot more about the resurrection than we do. And since that time, we've been, we've been discussing it, we've been studying it, we've been looking at the resurrection. And we've determined one thing very clearly, there is the resurrection of Jesus which is what most people think about when they think about the resurrection or they hear the term, the resurrection. And then there's also the resurrection, which Jesus' resurrection was a part of. It was the beginning of the resurrection. And the, the resurrection is, is going to be at the end of time when Jesus comes back to earth and everyone that has died is going to come back to life. There will be judgment at that time. Some will be raised to eternal life, others to death. And the Bible talks rather extensively about this. When you look in the book of Acts, and they are sharing the good news of the gospel, they are talking about the resurrection. Later on in 1 Corinthians, and I believe one of the letters to Timothy, uh, Paul talks about, he, he kind of uh, whittles down what the gospel is. He, he kind of summarizes it. And in each case, he's including the resurrection. And you find it all throughout the New Testament where they're talking about Jesus being raised and us being raised back to life and it giving us hope. And guys, ultimately, I've just come to the conclusion, and I believe anybody that's looked at it with any level of seriousness is going to agree with the statement that if you take the resurrection out of the Gospel story, you're not left with a lot. I mean, the, the, the death of Jesus is very significant. But you leave out the resurrection, you're leaving out so much of it. And guys, we, we need to understand it. It needs to be a part of our vocabulary. It needs to be what we're talking about and we're looking forward to. And with that thought in mind, guys, there's all kinds of things. We, uh, we decided several, several weeks back that we wanted to do a, actually that I was supposed to do, a, uh, a series on the resurrection. And uh, as things worked out, Alan took the first three weeks of that. Incidentally, he we gave him one topic, and it took him three weeks. Okay? <laughs> Which some of you will appreciate, because I don't think you would have wanted all that in one lesson, right? Okay, there's a, so he is thinking of you all. <laughs> but guys, when we talk about the resurrection... 
And we talk about the end of time when Jesus comes back. One question, and I believe it is a very fair question, and it is, why should we give attention to that? How does giving attention to the resurrection and Jesus coming back help me live my life on a daily basis? That is a completely fair question to ask. And guys, it is one of the things we're going to be looking at very clearly today. If you notice, no, you won't notice unless it's up here. The name of the topic is clear vision. Okay? And I think if I'd have thought it through clearly, I would have, I would have named it, I can see clearly now. You know, the clouds are gone. The rain's gone. I'm sorry. But guys, a few weeks back or a couple months back, I was up here and I talked about that God wants us to live by faith, not by sight. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5. It also tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what you cannot see. And I went on to... Sometimes, guys, you, you, you want to balance that, Gary. You may ask me, Gary, how are you going to balance living by faith with clear vision? Well, I went on to talk about that I believe living by faith, God has given us what I like to refer to. It's not my saying. I didn't come up with it. But it's He has given us signposts pointing into the fog. What does that mean? He's given us direction, but He doesn't show us everything. And the, vis- the, the, the signpost that He gives us, the vision that He gives us, is very clear. The direction is very clear. He just doesn't show us every last detail of what it's about. Guys, when you look at clear vision and these signposts pointing into the fog, there are several passages that I look at. One of them is in Ephesians chapter 1. It won't be up on the screen um, because I didn't get it on there. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verses, verse 18, this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. The glorious, I mean, so the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. What's He praying? He's praying that their eyes may be enlightened. He wants them to be able to see things more clearly. Specifically, the hope that they have. I don't have time to get into it this morning. I may get into it later in the series. But when the New Testament talks about hope, you have to have an understanding of the resurrection. Those two are impeccably tied together. And you've got to have that. There's a couple other passages here that I want to talk about that show us very clearly that God wants me to have clear vision. The first one is in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. And what God's saying there is that His very existence is made clear through creation. If you look closely at creation... There is it impeccably, or I keep using that word. I'm not even sure if I'm using it right. It clearly points towards 
a creator. And that's what God's saying. He's saying, I want it to be clear in Luke chapter 6 when He's talking to us about correcting each other. And He says, or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourselves do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. You see, guys, I believe with all my heart, God has certain things that He wants us to have very clear vision on. But clear vision requires me to focus. And I believe that the resurrection, focusing on the resurrection, understanding it, will give us some clear vision on some things. If you look at this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe it illustrates this, or confirms this. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. What is he saying there, guys? At the resurrection, you will be made immortal. Don't ask me to give you all the definition of that. All it means is I'm going to live forever. At the resurrection, that's what it's talking about. And it's very clear that He wants us to know this. He wants us to have attention to it. Pay attention to it. Earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is kind of the... the uh, what's the word? If you, want to under, if you want to know about the resurrection, go to 1 Corinthians 15. It has a lot to say about it. And one of the things it says, that if our hope is only for this life, we are to be pitied above all men. I mean, what else can you conclude there except they want us to understand the, the, what happens at the resurrection. They want to understand, they want us to have hope and to be looking forward to what comes at the resurrection. Because if we're excited about living for Jesus and this life is all we have, what it says is we are to be pitied. And so guys, when you look at the resurrection, I believe God wants us to see some things very clearly. And we're just going to talk about three of them very briefly because I know everybody wants to beat everybody to the restaurant today, right? So guys, focusing on the resurrection enables me to see clearly, number one, eternity. Eternity. How much do you really think about eternity? You know, as a kid, I used to try to give a thought and it would just confuse me. You know, they talk about infinity in math class. And you know, what does infinity do? It's, it's always one step farther. And that's what eternity is. It just goes on and on and on forever. We're going to get to it a little bit more, but to give you a little bit teaser, that's what this string is, is representing as they're stringing it through the, through the room right now. This string is representing eternity and how far it goes on. And just to, yeah, we'll get to it in a minute. But it represents eternity. Guys, there's some passages that are, that would be in your notes if you had them. Uh, they're just referenced. They're not there all together, but one is Ecclesiastes 3.11. And what it says is that God has placed eternity on the hearts of all men. 
And guys, what that's saying is, is, is there's something inside of every one of us that says there's something more here than the 70 or 80 years that we have or 100 years that we have. There's something beyond this life that we know and that we see. God's placed that within every person and every one of us has to wrestle with it whether we're going to accept that, whether we're going to believe that or not. But that is the struggle that we have. God's placed it there. In John 3.16, which Dave read up here for communion, it says that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but receive eternal life. See, guys, He's placed it within us. If you've read the book of Genesis, God intended for man to live forever in the beginning. And Jesus came back with the promise that I am going to give you eternal life. Live forever. Go on forever. Well, okay, that's great, you know, and you figure let's just make it through life and then we'll figure out what that's all about and we don't need to pay much attention to it. But if you look in your in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this is what it says. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Guys, what he's saying there, and, and, and we'll look at it later, he's, he's, we'll look at it a little bit later in a minute, but he's saying, in view of all the problems that we have, we need to look at eternity. We need to focus on what is unseen, because what we can't see is eternal. It lasts forever. It's going to go on and on and on and on. And notice the connection there. He first talks about us being raised with Jesus at the end. Guys, when you start thinking about the resurrection, you are driven to focus on eternity. You know, I've had two people die in my life recently. Two people that we were close to pass away. And I have close friends here in this room right now who have cancer. One of them, Jim Simpson, they're surprised he's still alive. Is that right, Jim? That's what I keep hearing, is the doctors are surprised at how well you're doing, right? You're not supposed to be here. Guys, when you're surrounded... Guys, it goes on. Some of you, you may not have anybody in your life right now that, that has cancer. Or no, if you're young, you may not have anybody that's, that's passed away in your life. But do you know what that does? When I've, ha- when I've had two people pass away, other people around me who are pronounced with stage 4 cancer, it makes me think about eternity. And once in particular recently, I was sitting there and I was thinking about this. How, am I, how do you deal with this? How do you face it? How should I feel about all this? And all of a sudden, I had a question in my mind. Do I really believe what I say I believe? You see, because if I believe we're all going to die, which we are, but we're all going to come back, that kind of tempers somebody dying, doesn't it? 
It gives me hope. Guys, it changes things. I had the privilege of taking communion with Stephanie Gill a few weeks before she passed. And this is what we talked about. And Stephanie had tears in her eyes while we talked about that, yeah, she's going to be gone, separated from us for a little while. And then we're going to be together forever. Forever. That string's going on forever, ain't it? Guys, you need to understand, that is a big deal. That is a very big deal. It's bigger than graduating from high school. It's bigger than graduating from, from, from college. It's bigger than buying your first house or even bigger than retirement. It's the ultimate retirement, ain't it? But guys, God wants us to see eternity clearly. And the resurrection, when you focus on that, demands that you see eternity. Guys, the second thing that focusing on the, the resurrection enables me to see clearly is what is insignificant in my life. Put it another way, the insignificance of my life. Okay? Y'all got that red string in front of you, right? I already told you it represents eternity. Grab a hold of that string for me, would you? Don't worry, we got another, we're going to roll of that after this. Guys, what you're grabbing in your, this string represents eternity. What you are holding in your hand represents the length of your life. Do a quick comparison to the length of your life versus eternity. See guys, does that change the way you view anything in your life, knowing that your life is this much of eternity? And that it's going to someday come to an end? Guys, years ago I read a book. Uh, I forget who wrote it. It was entitled Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, it was a Jewish man that had survived Auschwitz, the most notorious of Hitler's concentration camps. And there was a statement that blew me away. Have you seen the pictures of the people that survived this concentration camp? They look like literally bone with skin stretched over them. I mean, how they, are, how they are able to stand up, how they are able to breathe, is beyond my understanding, is beyond my comprehension. And the man writing the book, he says, you could see it in a man's eyes. When he had lost all hope, when, you know, when he'd heard that, look, his wife or his children or his parents were gone, he was gone. He was dead. He was going to die. But he says, if a man has a reason to live for, he can, he can endure almost anything. And you see, guys, when you know there's, a, when there's an end to it, when you know there's a, there's a reason for, what's, for what you're doing, for what you're suffering, you can endure almost anything. See, guys, when you look at what your life, all of us spend our days doing something. Nobody gets up in the morning. That's good. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, I'm not going to think about anything today and is successful at it. 
I'd like to do that some days. You get up and you think about things. You get up and you give attention to things. You get up and you do things. And most of those, or a lot of those, you have a choice. You may say, well, I have to go to work. That is true. You may have to go to work. But you choose your attitude at work. You choose your performance at work. You have a choice of what you are going to give attention to during your day. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 14, where Jesus is telling the parable of the soils, this is what He says. He says, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. What is He saying? Let me paraphrase what I believe He's saying. He's saying, those are the thorny soil are those that get up and their life is distracted by the insignificant things. And specifically, He's talking about it distracts them from the things of God. Specifically, from the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't bear fruit in their life because they don't think about it. They don't give it any attention. They get up and they worry about how they're going to make a living or how much they're going to make or what they're going to eat or what they're going to wear or how their kids are going to go to college. Or you're distracted by what riches. We live in the we should know this. We live in the wealthiest country that has ever existed. As a per capita basis. We have wealth the poor in this country are rich compared to other countries. It really is. Guys, and we have to worry about how we're going to manage this. I love one of the, it's either a different translation or a different passage where this same story is told. It says, it talks about being distracted by the, it just includes the desire for other things. You see, guys, we all have a choice of whether or not we're going to spend our time giving our attention to significant or insignificant. And guys, I'm going to, real quick, I just have a a definition of what is significant and what is insignificant. What is significant is that which deserves my attention. Insignificant is that what does not deserve my attention. It's pretty simple. It's very simple. But guys, in light of what this, this passage says, I think we need to take an inventory over what we're giving attention to. Are we giving attention to the significant or insignificant things in our lives? You see, guys, that's what the resurrection points me to. And it points me to eternity. And I understand that my life is just this much of eternity. I realize that I need to pay attention to the right things. First of all, because... Paying attention to the wrong things is going to prevent me from experiencing eternity. You need to understand that right off the bat. You pay attention to the wrong things, you won't un- eternity doesn't, doesn't matter. And so guys, you, we've got to understand that we are going to choose what we pay attention to and we have to pay attention to the right things. Gives the, the significant things in our lives, not the insignificant. Let me uh, give you an example of this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. Paul, Peter, I'm sorry, Peter is talking. And he says, Slaves, 
In reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong. You can argue this with, with me afterwards if you like. I'd be happy to because it doesn't say it as plain as what I might like it to. But guys, I believe with all my heart that what Peter's saying is uh, most of our situations, our life, there are things that we can be concerned about and things that we are not to be concerned about. When you look at this passage, what is he telling slaves? He says, you need to be concerned about honoring God as a slave. You, that's where your attention needs to go. Not on how you're treated. You see guys, if it's, most of the times we want to go, well I'm, I'm unfairly treated. I'm, it's, it's not, I haven't been treated justly. I've been hurt. Here Peter is talking to someone and what he's telling them is, you being treated unfairly is insignificant. How you respond to being treated unfairly is significant. And guys, that's literally the way we need to approach the way we're going to live our lives. That's how the resurrection impacts my daily life. It shows me what do I need to be concerned about? What do I need to be giving attention to? You know, guys, we talk about things that do not deserve my attention. Every time I'm up here and I talk about worrying, which I understand the struggle there, the temptation, and the giving into. Every time I talk about it, I hear a little a low grumble, rumble from the crowd. You know why? Because we all understand what it is to worry. I've said, who wants to worry less? And people are smiling and shaking their heads. Yeah, I'd like to do that. See guys, worry is not something we should give our attention to. Guys, the, the, the last thing that we need to, that the resurrection, um, causes, the focus on the resurrection helps me to see clearly is the significance of my life. You see, guys, because that's what, that's what it really does. It shows me both the significance and the insignificance of my life. And we have to decide. We have to get up in the morning. We have to look at what we have. And we have to decide what's significant. What demands my attention. What does God want me to give my attention to? And what is insignificant? What does He not want me to give my attention to? Guys, in my life, in August of 2005, I got a very clear picture of this. It had started earlier in my life, but it was, it was the clearest time yet. At that time, I was very clearly, my main identity in my mind was as a businessman. Farmland Auto Glass, that's what I owned. And I had raised, I had started Farmland Auto Glass from scratch. I had no business when I started. Raised it up to where I had, you know, three or four employees and was doing well. Uh, by t August of 2005, it was, it was on the decline, not doing quite as well. And uh, what happened was my son entered middle school. And I had heard parents, not brag, but talk about 
being able to take their kids to school in the morning and to be able to pray with their kids on the way to school. And I thought, that is so cool. I want to be able to do that, but I can't. i got to get up and go to work. i got to leave the house at 7 in the morning and they're still in bed. And I can't do it. And then all of a sudden, what happened in August of 2005 is my oldest son, Jonathan, started middle school. And now what that means was, now he started school an hour before his, other t- his brother and sister. Which meant he could get to school as early as 7.45 in the morning. That means I could drop him off at school at 7.45. I had a 35 to 40 minute drive to Greenville to my office. And I could get to my office between 8.15 and 8.20. We opened at 8 o'clock. I'm the one that has to answer the phone. I'm the one that unlocks the door. Good business practice says people need to, somebody needs to answer the phone when the business is open. I thought that was a good idea. And I prided myself on the way I handled business. I built the business. Yes, God blessed me. But I did certain things right. And one of them was I was open from 8 to 5. And I had to decide if what was significant. Opening at 8 o'clock in the morning or taking my son to school. I decided it was to take my son to school. And so we did all kinds. We we worked around it in a variety of ways. But it was the first of many decisions where I had to decide what's significant, what's insignificant. What would God have me give my attention to? What would He have me not give my attention to? You see, guys, there are all kinds of things that steal our attention. Guys, basically, if you want to sum it up, what is significant in your life? You need to go look at what God thinks is significant. Where you need to spend your time. Today is Mother's Day. Okay, we are celebrating our mothers. I got to pray with my mother in the back today. Had tears in my eyes hearing her pray. Guys, it's not significant what you do today as much as it's significant how you treat your mothers the other 364 days of the year. And guys, and I, I, it goes the same way. Mothers, you're celebrated today. And I think it's a wonderful thing to do. I think it needs to be done more often. Okay? Like on a Tuesday in June. Without anybody telling you to do it. Okay? You just decide to do it. But guys, it's just as significant, mothers, how you spend your time raising your children. What are you teaching them to give attention to? How do you display to them that you are giving attention to the things God wants you to give attention to versus the things that He doesn't. You know, guys, it is so easy. I, I, I will sit up here and I will tell you all day long the mistakes I made as a parent because I made a bunch of them. And one of them that I wish I could go back is to do a better job of showing my children the insignificance of the world's values. What you wear. 
how good your grades are. How much money you make. I wish I could go back and do that. See guys, we have to decide what is going to be significant. We have to decide what we are going to give our attention to. You look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 17 and 18. This is what it says. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is unseen is temporary. I'm sorry, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See guys, what he's saying is, our troubles are insignificant. What's troubling you right now? Have anything that's bothering you? Anything that's consuming your mind? Maybe it's a worry. Maybe it's a financial worry. Maybe it's a worry about your children. Maybe it's a worry about your parents. Maybe it's where you're going to eat this afternoon. What consumes your mind? What bothers you? What do you wish was different in your life right now? Paul tells you it is light and momentary. And what you and not only that, it has a purpose. It has a purpose depending on how you respond to it. It's going to either consume you or it's going to, re- it's going to uh, achieve for you an eternal glory that's going to far outweigh it all. And so guys, there, there you go. Guys, just in closing out, I just want to ask you, uh, how are you doing? And what I mean by that is, how much do you think about eternity? How much do you think about the resurrection? See, guys, if you're not thinking about the resurrection, if you're not talking about the resurrection, if you're not thinking about eternity, it's probably not impacting the way you live your daily life. If you are, I guarantee you it will show you what is significant and what is insignificant in your life. You want to know, I believe if you... You pray, that's a prayer. If you pray the prayer, God, show me what's insignificant in my life, He will answer that prayer. If you pray, God, show me what is significant that I need to replace the insignificant with, He will answer that prayer. And so guys, I encourage you. It's been and it continues to be an exciting journey when I come to understand more about the resurrection. As I understand the significance of it as I look at and think about and get excited about eternity. And guys, I encourage you to do the same. Let's pray, and then we'll sing and we'll be done. Father, we just want to thank you just for the... uh... Father, it is exciting to think about eternity. It is exciting. You know, a high schooler dreams of being out of high school and in college. A a college student dreams of having their degree and getting a job and getting married and having a house and having children. Father, none of that compares with eternity. And Father, I just want to pray right now you can really place it on our heart. Father, this doesn't happen... We don't come to understand the resurrection more unless we give it attention, unless we try to, unless we seek You out and ask You, Father, to open our eyes to understand it more. 
Father, everybody in this room right now is giving attention to something insignificant that they need to stop. And everybody in this room right now, there's something more significant that you want them to replace that with. Father, I pray You'll open their eyes to see what that is. And that they'll have the faith and the courage in view of eternity to do it. That's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.